This is the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames. Brought to you by Special Needs Family Hour, Inc. For the next hour, we'll be discussing the particular challenges and real-life solutions for families with special needs. If you found us, please know that you are not alone. To find out more, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here is your host, Julie Ames, on AM860, The Answer. Thanks for listening today to the Special Needs Family Hour. I'm Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. Our show is dedicated to helping those parents and caregivers who are caring for special people. The theme of the show is the essay, Welcome to Holland, by Emily Pearl Kingsley. Kingsley describes the experience of raising a child with a disability. It's like planning a fabulous vacation trip to Italy, only to realize that your plane has landed in Holland. Holland isn't a bad place. It's just a different place. So you must go out, buy a new guidebook, learn a whole new language, and meet a whole new group of people you would never have met. Holland is a code word for living life with those with disabilities. My hope and prayer are that the challenges we face in Holland will make us better people. It has been an interesting time for us in Holland. Our oldest two daughters, Maria and Christina, are on the autism spectrum and have intellectual disabilities. Our youngest daughter, Anna, is a college student. Christina has epilepsy and started having seizures in 2007. We have been going through a very difficult time with her and adjusting her medication. She had a terrible seizure two weeks ago at 11.15 p.m. We were all in bed when I heard her hit the trash can and start convulsing. I immediately yelled to Jeff for help. She was laying on the carpet when we arrived. We gave her an injection of diazepam and hoped she would stop seizing. She was still violently seizing after three minutes when we gave her another injection of diazepam. She wasn't stopping. Jeff watched her as I got dressed because it looked like we were going to be calling 911. She finally stopped seizing. I put a pillow under her head. Her breathing seemed extremely labored. Neither of us could remember her breathing ever seeming this labored after a seizure. We watched her in her room until her breathing seemed normal. At about midnight, I told Jeffrey that I would stay with her and for him to go to sleep. I went to sleep in her bed with our little dog lady. We've been trying to train her to be a seizure dog, but she just comes for comfort. She was laying, Christina was laying on the floor beside me. She was on her carpet with a pillow and a blanket. At 1 a.m., she woke up and told me to get out of her bed. She was very emphatic. I was thrilled because I knew she was back. So I went to bed, and yes, I sleep with a baby monitor. The next morning, she had no memory of the seizure, which I am extremely thankful for because it was a very rough seizure. Jeff and I were both rattled by the seizure. We even just took a refresher CPR course, and both of us are now more confident in our abilities to help Christina should things progress worse than they were. Christina's medicine is now at the level it needs to be, and she finally made it to school this past Friday and actually spent the whole day there. Today we have a great show. Our guest is Kelly Paris, the Executive Director of the Children's Board of Hillsborough County. The Children's Board proudly serves children and families by investing $42 million annually in more than 90 local nonprofit agencies. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. 
to reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. Our guest is Carolee Parrish, the Executive Director of the Children's Board of Hillsborough County. Hi, Kelly. Hi, how are you? Thank you for having me. Yes, well, tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how you got involved with the Children's Board. Well, I I started out years ago running a mental health system in a five-county area in Alabama, and I stayed there for 17 years. It was a comprehensive mental health system. From there, I went to the Alabama Department of Child Abuse and Neglect Prevention, which I stayed five years, and I was at a meeting in Washington, D.C. years ago, Hmm. and uh, someone at the meeting said, I've got a position that would be perfect for you in Hillsborough County, and it was the executive director of the Children's Board, so that's where I've been for seven years. My, now tell the, tell the audience, the listeners, a little bit about what the children board does and how it got started. The children's board is over 30 years old, and there was a group of citizens in Hillsborough County that knew they needed a dedicated funding stream to provide services for children and families. So out of that, the children's board was birthed, and uh, over 30 years old now, and we invest about $42 million in the community every year to support children to ensure they're ready to learn, they're in safe and stable families, they're developmentally on track, and they're healthy. Yes, and it's interesting because a lot of the organizations that you've helped fund, I've had them on the shows and we've done whole segments from zero to 22, and a lot of that is part of the children's board. Yeah, we, we really do amazing things in the community by funding our partners, but there's a very complicated process that we go through uh, to determine where that funding goes and what the needs are in the county. As a matter of fact, in January of 2020, we will kick off our town hall meetings all around the county, which will help determine what we will fund in 2022. So we right. will have town hall meetings in seven areas of the county because this is such a huge county and the needs are vastly different from north to south and east to west. So in 2022, so if an organization or a community feels that they need something, then they would be planning that out in 2020. We will be planning that out in 2020. So what we do is we have town hall meetings to see what specific areas need, even by zip code, and then what the county needs as a whole. And then we overlay that with data, data from the census, data from the school system, all all different types of data sources. And then we look at uh, any very specific needs, like South County. Last time we went through this process, which was in 2015, South County, there was no early learning and and daycare centers in South County. So we specifically went about funding opportunities to have people trained in uh, family child care homes, and they have been so successful down there. 
Wow. Now, what's neat about your organization is you have an amazing board. Right. And several, we do. Yes. Which actually, they're the ones that drive the train. Why don't you tell them a little bit about your board? Because it's a very impressive group, and I think it really represents the community as a whole. It does represent the community as a whole. There are 10 board spots. Uh, five of those spots are appointed by the governor. Five are the statutory spots. So we have Judge Esrig, of course, the superintendent. We have... Um, you, uh, some attorneys on the board that are very uh, schooled in the areas of need in Hillsborough County. Andy Mates, Megan Dempsey is the board chair. Robin DeLaverne, who is TGH Foundation. Yes. So they come from a host of areas which help to guide what we do in the areas of health care and, you know, well baby checks, sealants on kids' right. teeth, all of those things. They bring all that to the table. And I tell you what's am- most amazing about this board, and I've worked for boards um, just about all my professional career. If you bring them the need and you show them the data and it's a it's a a service that is is new but you know that it's needed they will take a chance on it. They right. will step out there and take a chance on it. You know, the areas of early learning, they've been particularly bold and the programs have been wildly successful in those areas and I could not be more proud of this board. Right. Well, I like the fact that you're it sounds like you're very analytical. Yes. So you're, you're listening to the needs, but at the same time, you're managing a $42 million budget, and it's important to be judicial with those ta- taxpayer dollars. Absolutely. We we are very um, uh, careful to be accountable for those dollars, and because it would not take but one problem for a Children's Service Council, that's statutorily what we are, um, to upend this beautiful gift that we've been given in Hillsborough County, and that's to serve the children and families. Yes, and Hillsborough County desperately needs it, and the fact that we're so huge. Right, and, you know, everybody's about the economy, and the economy's doing well, but not everyone is doing well. There's a lot of underemployed people out there. There's a lot of people that are not employed and have transportation problems that if we had a, a good, effective transportation system, they could be employed. That's one of the things that gets me about transportation is for special needs people. Right. Well, I, I lived 15 years in D.C. And right. when you're used to having a transportation system, it's awesome. And I can remember a blind gentleman riding with us and never having a problem. Well, it opens up the world to people, especially people with, with special needs. Yes. So, you know, Hillsborough County's done some amazing things, though. You know, we have something countywide called Myon Reader. I don't know if you're familiar with no, Myon, but it's an online library for children that can be accessed through any device at all. And when you think about children with special needs, they have transportation barriers. How right. do they get to libraries? My own right. reader, I had a young man in a wheelchair at Robles Park tell me that it opened up his world. Wow. So, you know, Hillsborough County is very fortunate. Yes. Yeah. Well, and then we have the Heart Plus program yes. and the Heart Training program. And, yes. And yes. my girls, we have our little bus pass and all that, but I don't trust them to be by themselves. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a it's a different times right now. Yes, so. and what I think's nice about the children's board, my grandfather used to say, if money can solve your problem, you don't have a problem. And a lot of the problems you're dealing with aren't necessarily because of money. 
It's right. those health services. It's the mental health. It's situations right. that you can't solve. You can't just throw money at it. You need interventions. Absolutely. And access to services is so important. I will say that um, we've done a beautiful job of building a system that really can um, look at, assess, and evaluate very early in a child's life what their needs are. Yes. And so those are mobile services throughout the county. ECC provides those services. And it's so very important to catch any developmental problems early. Right. And I say that because my brother was diagnosed with dys- dyslexia, but not yes. until the 10th grade. And that's so hard because that's self-image, that's schooling, that's parents wondering why you're not trying harder because they know you're intelligent. That's absolutely uh, You hit all of the buttons there because yes. it is uh, greatly affected his life. He's successful, but he has struggled so throughout his life. My parents had horrible guilt because they didn't feel like they were providing what they needed right. to on the parental end. And then it's dyslexia. And now they can diagnose it as early as three. Wow. So imagine if he had been diagnosed at three as opposed to the 10th grade, struggled in school all of those years. So, you know, right. just we've got to make sure every child is developmentally screened, every single one. Well, in my girls, I didn't realize they were special needs until they were almost seven, five, and the, my typical daughter was three. And I didn't realize, I couldn't understand why I couldn't teach them. Emotionally, I was a wreck because I couldn't understand why I couldn't you know, I'm an engineer. Why, why can't I teach them to chew their food? Why can't I teach them basic concepts like who's in the front of the line, who's in the back of the line? And I was about ready. Just I was an emotional wreck. It really, and I can potty train them. It really, um, it, it really um, affects the dynamics of the entire family. Yes. And when you've got, a, say if you've got a family of five and two of the children have some sort of special need, yes. you know, it doesn't have to be severe, but it, it, it could just be a mild special need. And it, those children get more attention than the other three children get. Right. So you've got three kids that are functioning, functioning very highly, two that aren't, and it really affects all seven of the people involved, the parents, right. the three that are high functioning, the two that are have moderate problems. So it's so important to get that intervention early for the right. whole family. Yes, yes. And you have the free testing. I mean, we have the testing all around the county every month. Right. So all that's there, the developmental screenings, all of that. And the referrals. And then they make referrals to the areas of need because the system is complicated. And to navigate that system uh, takes sometimes a professional person to help you. Well, where do you think parents should start? Let's say they're listening here and maybe they're at the, the kids are little, they're big. They've got to, if they're, they're infants, they've got to start there with the screenings. And they've got to make sure they go to developmental play groups and they do all of those things. They're hitting those milestones. They're making sure that they have um, uh, adequate, adequate support in the community. Informal supports is huge. Whether you have a high-functioning child or not, right. those informal supports are what make us a community and what really make that connectedness happen. And we have um, six family resource centers, soon to be seven, around yes. the county. Beautiful place to make those informal connections. Yes. So if you t- 
take someone that's involved in the child welfare system, right? That really has um, very few supports in the in the community, right. and you put them in a family resource center in those developmental play groups that are no cost to anyone, and right. they can see good parenting skills being modeled in there by other parents, right. and they create those informal supports on their own. The likelihood of them coming out of that system in a healthy way is uh, so much greater than if they're isolated with none of those supports. Yes, yeah, so I can say for me, one of the biggest things that has helped me is just the kids participating in special needs events. Oh, yes. Because then you're just sitting there. You're not, I don't like the idea of going to, I don't know, help groups. I was just always afraid they'd be too depressing. But you have people in similar situations. Right. And you realize you're not alone. Right. And you kind of confer with the problem. Well, inclusion is so important from the very beginning. F- right. Inclusion for all of us, not only children, but for adults, too. Yes. I mean, it is so important to have everyone in the room and have everyone's uh, opinion and voice be valued and heard. You know, right. there's a, a certainly a difference in having diversity and inclusion. You right. can have a diverse group of people taking notes at a meeting, <laughs> but unless they have a voice in the room, there's no inclusion. So we have exactly. to... exactly. We have to have that in our workforce. We have to have that with our children. And I will tell you, after running a mental health system for all of those years, you can learn from, you do learn every day from individuals at all spectrums of the functioning level. So it is it is is so important to have that diversity in, in your life. That is so true, because I learn from my kids all the time. I know it. Well, let's take a break there. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. Our guest is Kelly Paris, the Executive Director of the Children's Board of Hillsborough County. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, Call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now... Here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. Our guest is Kelly Paris, the Executive Director of the Children's Board of Hillsborough County. They proudly serve children and families by investing $42 million annually in more than 90 local nonprofit agencies. So, Kelly, let's say you're out there and you realize that things aren't exactly right or that you're having challenges. What do you tell that family? What should they be looking for? As we said earlier, the first thing to do is have a developmental screening for all children, but especially if you have any sort of hint that your child is not developmentally on track, hitting those milestones. And then from there, they will refer you to the area that you need to go, whether it be early steps, fillers, what, whatever it is. And it's very important to get that diagnosis early and to get in those services and have them formalized early, especially when the child migrates into school. Right, right. Well, I know for the kids, you, you have your individual education plan that will help them educationally with their goals and Exactly. And it's, you know, 
sometimes parents are in denial about their children having a problem, and those right. problems, the vast majority of the time, can be overcome. I right. mean, it's amazing what what we can do now with with autism, with uh, dyslexia, with all of those you know diagnoses that that can be overcome, and you've got this wonderful, functioning, happy human right. being that just adds so much to our family and community. Yes. So, but but the reason that I push the importance of formalized diagnosis and formalized uh, systems of care is because if if you're a family member and you raise your child to be as independent through uh, teaching them life skills, daily life skills right. every day, but that parent ages. I know. And by the time that parent is 70 and that child is 50 and they haven't formally been diagnosed and formally been in services, the chance of that parent being able to support that 50-year-old with services at that point is almost none. Right. And I can't imagine because I've had like I've had people call me up and say, I, you know, my wife has passed away. I'm here. I'm taking care of my son. I'm bad health. But at least the the person I was talking to in this particular instance already their child was diagnosed. Right. So I was just helping him, like referring him to the rest of the piece of the puzzle. Of- Not that we 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 can't add uh, more services and more access and more inclusion, but look how far we've come. I mean, I it's amazing how far we've come. We've got kids that are graduating from high school. A beautiful example is Julie Holt at the Public yes. Defender's Office, yes. who has uh, you know kids working for her, adults working for her that uh, have have problems, but right. they're they're assimilated into the workforce. They're doing beautifully. They're high functioning. They come to work every day, and then they can go to college. I don't know yes. if you saw in yesterday's newspaper, but Mississippi State University's homecoming queen and king, the king has Down syndrome Aww. at Mississippi State University. So we have now opened our college system up right. to these uh, beautiful kids with all sorts of abilities. And so what a world we have now as opposed to 30 years ago. Right. And I know that for me, I was so afraid of my children being labeled. And I was so afraid of that they weren't going to be treated normally. And I I had all these fears. But at the same time, without that label, they couldn't get the help they needed. And they wouldn't be the individuals that they are now without that help. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, our friend Renee Warmack in in Hillsborough County uh, just launched her documentary Because of Sam. And what a a beautiful statement to kids. And I think every elementary school and middle school needs to see Sam's story. Oh, I do too. Because it is such a beautiful story of achievement and and inclusion and a voice in the community. Yes. And so we, we really need to keep that in mind. Well, we did a show because of Sam that people can locate on our podcast. Yes, that it was, was, it awesome was beautiful. Show. It's a beautiful documentary. Yes, it is. And it shows the supports that are out there and the acceptance that are out there for those individuals that are worried. Right. And last week we just had Haley Moss on the show, and she's the first um, women's lawyer with autism in the state of Florida. And that means openly women's lawyer with autism, which is interesting because that means there's – and I know because I know people that are very successful that I am sure 
Right, on the spectrum. spectrum. Yeah, and and McDonald Training Center, what a a gym in our community that really has made uh, independence and achievement available to all a whole spectrum of of children with and adults with uh, special abilities. Yes, so, all right, so you're this parent and you're going along. Maybe your child's having, let's say the child gets to elementary school and they don't really have a diagnosis. What do you suggest at that point? You know, um, ECC, with their developmental screenings, they really, um, they're so valuable because they screen for everything. Right. So, you know, my my son is a doctor, and he says, you know, if you go through an orthopedist, you're going to have arthritis or whatever. Right, right. If you go here, you're going to have. Right. So you really need that that not to give up and to have that broad array of screenings that you can have available and made available to your family and your child because it's so important to get the right one and and if you if your child has to have therapy the right therapy you right. know the one therapy doesn't fit all when you talk about kids that may uh. suffer from anxiety depression whatever uh, the diagnosis may be one therapy does not fit all you have to have a wide array of, of modalities right to treat that child. Yes. Well, so basically, if parents are listening, I guess if they went to the Early Childhood Council website, they yes. would be able to access when the various free screenings are around the county. Yes. So. And they're amazing. I've, I've been, uh, you know, on various occasions just to watch, you know, the kids right. and the parents and how the system runs. And it runs like, you know, well, oil machine. They've got it down. And it really is not a waste of your time. It's not a, a situation where you're going to have to wait all day to get a screening done. Mm-hmm. You're in and out. And, you know, right. you might can go to the, the different stations and get everything done in one day. Yes. Well, I noticed that one of the programs you fund are hot docs. Yes. And I do have um, people call me up with behavior challenges and or email me and ask me, what can I do? I always suggest that depending on the age of the child. Right. And that's through USF. And that program only costs maybe $30. Yes. And um, there's positive behavioral supports. Too. Yes. And that's more and, intensive. More intensive. And then we have um, a project that we fund called CALM. Now, it's not for children and families, but it is for early learning professionals. Okay. And, and it's really built on the conscious discipline model. And it's it teaches, it's a way of teaching that teaches children to self-regulate. Interesting. And, you know, a teacher will tell you, we, we did nine months of town hall meetings with early learning providers before we put this system in place. And a teacher will tell you, if you give me a well-regulated child, I can teach them anything. Right. So it's really the teachers making a difference with the child on how they approach them, how they teach them to regulate, and how that child progresses from that point forward. Okay. So explain to our listeners what you mean by regulate. So the child knows when to sit. Right. The child knows when to listen. The child knows when playtime is. The child can make choices. They can uh, take care of their basic hygiene. All of those things that go into being able to teach a child and being able to be kindergarten ready. Right. And that is so important. I have a friend whose um, son, he's at a group home, and she said, you've got to have a calendar up for them. Right. And he was going nuts. Once he had his calendar up and he could write everything on the calendar... So he could self-regulate right. as far as expectations. 
he was fine. Yes, having um, having the ability to make some choices themselves at a very yes. young age yes. and giving them a choice. Do you want A or B? And right. um, and and then there's a you're teaching them a lot right there. Uh, as my um, three-year-old grandson, when I gave him a choice the other day, do, would you like A or B? He said, I don't hear you. So <laughs> you've got to get past that. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You must be a smart one. <laughs> but this uh, this COM project is, has trained over 1,100 mm-hmm. early learning professionals in Hillsborough County, and it really is amazing. We've built a, a pretty robust system of um, ensuring that children are ready to learn around the county and it's really independent of school readiness and VPK and Head Start and Early Head Start. So it's very important for the county to have this training, uh, these training modules for uh, early learning professionals, but also We've got a project going with Glacier Children's Museum directed Mm. for children that are not in any early learning setting. And it's Mm. around the county, and it's a play group for parents and children zero to five. And it is getting them to ready to learn for kindergarten, evidence-based program. And it's open to everyone, free of charge. You can look on Glacier's website and get the areas that those are in. But... There's so much out there that really we need to be taken advantage of. Right, and so many people just don't realize what's available. Well, why don't we take a break there? And then I have, I probably have four pages of different organizations that are out there that you guys help support and that are in the community that we can continue to talk about. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860, The Answer. Our guest is Kelly Paris, the Executive Director of the Children's Board of Hillsborough County. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. Our guest is Kelly Paris, the Executive Director of the Children's Board of Hillsborough County, They proudly serve children and families by investing $42 million annually in more than 90 local nonprofit agencies. Now, you and I on the break, we were just discussing the teen years. Particularly rough years for um, For normal kids. For normal kids. That is exactly right with the pressures of social media nowadays. The hormones. The hormones, the the threats to the school system that uh, are not easy for children to deal with. I mean, those are pressures on them every single day. The pressures that school puts on them and parents put on them as far as achievement goes. Right. Getting into college nowadays is a, oh you've got to have a PhD in application processes. <laughs> so yes. there is a lot of pressure on, on kids. So oh. parents really have to pay attention to what is going on with them. We had in our uh, extended family a suicide around the holidays two years ago with a a 14-year-old, and 
you know, it's one of those things that the family never recovers from, ever no. recovers from. And the holidays will never be the same because of that. So it's so important to get um, interventions early. The right. earlier we get them, the more... Um, degree of success we will have throughout a lifetime so if you notice that your child is withdrawn if your child doesn't want to go to school if they're all of a sudden sick in the mornings because they they don't want to go to school they've got a stomach ache there you know they you need to dig deeper into that right what's fascinating about it is if paranoia if different behaviors are starting to show up, if you can get intervention early on before that behavior is just manifests itself in this right that is, it's ingrained larger, right neurobiologically, yes. then you can really um, save yourself a lot of heartache. And I don't know if you're uh, how familiar your audience is with the ACES study, but mm. that is a fabulous study, adverse childhood experiences, and it is uh, an evaluation of what your adverse childhood experiences were and have been, and how it affects your life lifelong. So anyone that's had a number of adverse childhood experiences doesn't matter what happens the rest of their life; their health is affected by it. Their neurological development is affected by it. Yes. So we have to stop that early and right. and really provide the interventions. And we have some wonderful places in Tampa, Success for Children Families yes. is a wonderful program. We have Northside Mental Health. We have Grace Point. We have numerous interventions. And even the school system now with the Parkland incident right. uh, has really put some uh, stopgap measures into place within the school system. And uh, I think the governor's wife is experimenting with telehealth in, in North Florida so in the schools so kids can get an immediate ability to connect with somebody that's trained to talk over what their issues and problems are. And that's really key, talking about right. those problems and talking to your children and asking them questions and limiting that social media contact to, you know, whatever is educational and and fun as opposed yes. to what can be harmful because it doesn't take but one um, horrible comment on a social media site for a child to feel the reverberating effects for a long period of time. That is so true. That is so true. And, and the big thing about um, mental illness or mental challenges is getting the help. Right. And um, and learning to deal with it. Right. And that's so. where we go back when we were talking about the different uh, therapeutic modalities that are available out there and and the teams of of individuals like multidisciplinary teams it can, right. where the school system comes together with the juvenile justice system, with the court system, with all the systems and really come up with a plan for that child and family to moving forward with their input and looking right. at those other supports in the community that that child and family, those families have. There's a beautiful program in Hillsborough County called Florida 127. And it really is in place to support foster parents. We haven't talked yes. about the struggles right. of foster parents in kinship care today. But I will say that this is a beautiful program because it really wraps services around the foster parents or the kinship right. care parents. Um, building in a, a respite for them, 
bringing them meals in the evenings. You know, right. so it's instead of wrapping the services around the child, it's wrapping around the, the parents so that they can be better foster parents, better kinship care parents to those children involved in the system. Right. And what's interesting about that is as parents listen to this, you there's no way that anyone can help your family without your help. Whether you're the parent, whether you're the foster care parent, whoever you natu- whoever you are, no one can help your child without your help because you're on the front line. You are on the front line, and you're the one that knows that child better than anyone else. Yes. So you know when the child is withdrawing seclusion, um, you, you're the one that recognizes everything from health problems to mental health problems. So yes. you've got to be there, and, and you are the warrior. And if you don't take up for your child, there's you've got to be the one to take up for your child. Yes, and you know what's interesting about this is I was reviewing a case. Um, I'm studying a lot of mental health things right now, but I was reviewing this case, and it was interesting because the girl had like a borderline eating problem, but not really, and it wasn't that her family was bad, or it was... it wasn't like there was anything really bad. It just wasn't necessarily what she needed based on her personality. Right. And eating disorders are very difficult. I know. To, they are very difficult to address. Yes, they uh, are. You know, anorexia and bulimia are two of the hardest things, especially for girls, yes. to uh, um, really get an intervention that works for them. And I think that goes to say that parents do not need to be body shaming their children. I mean, right. that, that's self-image is so important, especially in those teen years. Right. And if you're going to do it at home, can you imagine what's going on outside your home? Well, all society tells you that if you're not a size two, you're not perfect. You're exactly, exactly right. You know, there are some uh, on the horizon, some things that are in the media and advertising that that give us some hope with larger size women and 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 the girls need to see that right well it needs to be concentrating on what's healthy right and a healthy perspective on all things that's that's exactly right and we've got to keep all of that in mind when we talk about healthy mental health for children we've got to take all of that in in to consideration and you know when when you think about you've got a troubled child map that child's Assets, And when right. I say map the child's assets, what are their strengths? And, and build your attitude and your approach to this around the child's strengths and not their deficits. Right. You know, I, I've always been amazed at school systems that don't teach to a child's strengths. They concentrate on their deficits. And so we've got to remember that when we come from a uh, position of strength, that child is going to be much more healthier than coming from a position of weakness. Yes, I agree completely. I was trying to find the crisis center phone number. Is that 411 or 211? 211. Yes. And that's one of those numbers that if you're just having any type of challenges, you should call 211. I can remember when I I miscarried with baby number 4. I think if I had just called and talked to somebody, it really would have helped me um recover sooner. Yes, and you know it's it's a healthy exercise for everyone to map their assets, uh, your yes. child's assets, and your personal assets. So if you are in a crisis, 
on Saturday night, who would you turn to? Right. Who would support you? Who would answer the phone when you call? Right. Same with your child. If your child's in a crisis and they don't feel like there's something they can come to you with, who do you think they're going to go to? And is that person the kind of person that you would want your child to go to? Oh, that's a good one. So, you Very know, good. it is so important and is just an exercise to sit around and map your assets. So if your child says, I would go to Susie Q if I had a problem, and you know Susie Q's not the person you want them to right. go to. Susie Q might help her jump off the bridge right. or something, right? Yeah, right. Oh so that's gosh. a good exercise. Oh, that's an excellent exercise. Well, on that note, why don't we take a break? I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. I'm Our guest is Kelly Paris, the Executive Director of the Children's Board of Hillsborough County. To reach Julie or any of the guests on today's show, call 813-816-2637. That's 813-816-2637. Or go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Special Needs Family Hour with Julie Ames on AM860, The Answer. To contact Julie, go to specialneedsfamilyhour.com. That's specialneedsfamilyhour.com. Now, here's Julie Ames. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM 860. The answer, our guest is Kelly Paris, the Executive Director of the Children's Board of Hillsborough County. They proudly serve children and families by investing $42 million annually in more than 90 local nonprofit agencies. Yes, and uh, I want everybody to take advantage of the services that are funded by the Children's Board. So if they can go to our website and look at um, the vast array of services that we have to offer. You don't have to be in need to access those services. Right. I mean, they're, they're little amigos, they're developmental play groups, they're infant massage groups, they're family resource centers everywhere. And we have to remember we have a lot to be thankful for. Yes. And we have a lot of children right now that are moving into kinship care. So we have a lot of grandparents that are taking care of children right. in Hillsborough right. County. And we have to encourage them, support them in your faith, support them in your community, and move them towards services that will support them also. So they haven't raised children in a long time. So right. getting into those play groups and those learning circles and, and finding those informal supports is so very important, even knowing about social media and what to use, how good it right. is to, to excel for learning for children, but also how dangerous it is. So keep that in mind and help lead those people in that direction. Well, you have your main location. You have your satellite locations, but your main location is right there in Ybor City. Yes. And uh, you have many um, supports right there. We do. We have a family resource center in our building in Ybor City. So it's 1002 East Palm Avenue. Please come visit us. Yes. Well, I, I always I have a meeting there every month with the Superintendent's Advisory Council. And I'm always grabbing your brochures. Good. That's what they're there for. <laughs> I know. They have this huge thing. So if you just want to stop by, walk in, run in, grab a few brochures. And we also have family guides that we give out to right. school systems. And it, and it has every program we fund in there and a little description of what they provide for the community. Yes, so it's get like you a little a, book. It is. So get okay. you a family guide and pass it along. I usually keep one in my purse so that I can pass it along to anyone that uh, inquires about what's going on in Hillsborough County, or I keep them in my purse. And when I'm stopped at the red light and there is 
a homeless individual and a child, uh-huh. I give them a book. And so they know where to go for services also. That's a great idea. Support uh, your community. Yes, that's an awesome idea. Wow. And the other thing is anyone related, anyone that's out there helping families or whatever can reserve meeting space in your building. Free of charge. And we got great parking. <laughs> yes, and you do. And a lot of AV. So and it's convenient. It is. Very convenient. It is. We got a wonderful facility staff. First, before I close, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, and I've been wanting to do children's board show forever. I just wasn't sure how to go about it. I'm not sure how effective I was, but I sure have enjoyed it. But it's a, com- it's a program that needs to be known. I'm Julie Ames, and you're listening to the Special Needs Family Hour on AM860, The Answer. Don't forget to like the Special Needs Family Hour Facebook page and to sign up for our newsletter. Please join us next Sunday afternoon at 1. Special Needs Family Hour. If you've missed any part of today's program, you can get the podcast of this and every show at specialneedsfamilyhour.com. While there, please take advantage of the resources we made available. And if you're so inclined, please support the advertisers that support this program. Special Needs Family Hour, Inc. is a nonprofit 501c3 organization. More than anything, just know that you are not alone. And we invite you to join us next Sunday at 1, only on AM 860. The Answer.